Sarah Beth Goncarova is today's guest. She is an American writer, composer, and visual artist known for poetry, children's adventure novels, and writing for film and television. Her company, Clay Grouse Kids, is a groundbreaking indie press and animation studio that specializes in creating books, read aloud videos, and audiobooks that inspire creativity and curiosity. Its mission is to help all children, including emerging and reluctant readers, become better readers by creating books that kids want to read, see, and hear over and over again. Her webtoon series is Adventures with Abba, and her children's chapter books are The Secret Code of the Heartbeat Drum and The Curious Case of the Creepy Cave. Her children's picture book, Super Sleuth, will be available for pre-order in August. Her book, Harnessing Light, won the 2020 NN Light Award for Poetry. Sarah sells her books through her website and offers signed copies. As a visual artist, Sarah has been the grant recipient of the Puffin Foundation and Barbara Deming Memorial Fund. Her work can be found worldwide. She graciously shared with us the audio version of her book, The Curious Case of the Creepy Cave, which we will broadcast for you in this episode. So gather your grandchildren around. You are in for a delightful treat. Before I introduce you to Sarah, I invite you to visit my website, adventureswithgrammypodcast.com or adventureswithgrammy.com and sign up for my newsletter. Thank you in advance. You will find each link we mention in the podcast in the show notes. Welcome, Sarah, to the podcast. As listeners can tell from your introduction, you are quite a talented artist and writer. How did you become interested in art? My mom was an art teacher. I would go to her classes and, you know, be kind of like a helper. When I was about 13 or so, I decided I kind of wanted to start painting. I painted my whole room. I painted into a mural, like all four walls and the ceiling, turned it into a big mural of a castle courtyard. And that took me like three years. (laughs) I learned a lot as a painter. I can't say the same for my drawing skills, but painting skills, I'm okay. I went to art school for sculpture and extended media and then for architecture. And then after that, I just kind of created my own studio as a painter and a sculptor. And then personal circumstances changed. I basically, I'm making art on a computer that I can work on the kitchen table or wherever I am. (laughs) I don't need a studio. I can just work on my lap even. (laughs) It's my portable studio. I started writing seriously about five years ago. And then during COVID, my uh, nieces and I were on different uh, sides of a border because I'm in Canada and they're in the United States. I was one of those displaced U.S. citizens because the border was closed. But I would get on Zoom Zoom with them several times a week and we would make up stories and do a little bit of like music lessons a little bit you know not serious just playful and they loved it and I loved it that was really my inspiration for this series the characters in the books I try to be as authentic as I can to real life 
<laughs> the oldest sibling, uh, Sophia or Soso. I mean, she she's a she's a bit of a, a diva, and she's very curious. I say in the books she has a, an ear for music and nose for adventure. <laughs> and Lena, she's just got the the best attitude. I just she's she's a total she's my hero. This little one, uh, she's so lovely and smart. And baby Adam, I mean, he's he's smart too, but he's kind of all about dinosaurs at this point. They're the light of my life, and I can't wait to get to see them next. And they're my inspiration. All of my books and read-alouds, all the videos, all the animations are basically me kind of making sure that they know that, that I love them. Aw, that's sweet. I try to create books for them for each of their birthdays. Last year, I, I was able to do it. This year, I don't know if I'll be able to make that goal, but that's 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 the idea, at least. That's what I do for my grandchildren at Christmas time. But honestly, it's nothing near the creativity and artistry of your books. I started off with the idea of writing a book for each child, but with six grandchildren, that's a lot of books. So now I mostly write one book and give each child a copy. The books become keepsakes, and it's heartwarming to hear that you're doing the same thing for the little ones in your life. Thank you so much for that. The children's book illustrator that I work with, her name is Lauren Plensnik, and she is out of Belgium. She's outside of Brussels, and I just loved her work. I saw it on Facebook in like an author illustrator group, and I just fell in love with her work, her style. She's made the character designs. She's come up with designs and then created the puppets and then it took me a long time to to find kind of like a look that worked. I love it. What has been the reaction of the children who have read and listened to your books? The kids love the stories. They love the jokes. There's a, a lot of fun humor in the sounds, the sound effects in, in the read aloud books and kids really love that. One of the most heartwarming things that have happened since I've released these books and started sharing them with people is that I've gotten letters from kids. I have a, a fantastic like little budding fan base. <laughs> Girls who are starting to write themselves. You know, I have there's one friend, her her name is also Sophia, and the week after I shared with her the the read aloud video, uh, and she, which she watched or listened to all the way through, and she's seven. The week after, she came to me with a story that she had written, and it was already like 15 pages. <laughs> I love inspiring kids to create their own, and my own Sophia and my own Lena, my nieces, they're they they're creating books. They're actually writing and illustrating books, and are they're think and Sophia, the oldest one, she's thinking herself as a children's book author. I mean, she's six. <laughs> like, I love this. I love that she can be anything that she wants. And this, I, I'm all for, in, you know, inspiring that and, and enabling it. I think all children will enjoy your books. Thank you. We have a treat for listeners today. They will hear your audiobook, The Curious Case of the Creepy Cave. Just give us a bit of the book's backstory. It's interesting how this story kind of kind of goes back and forth between real life and the story like it kind of breaks the fourth wall the narrator will speak directly to the character sometimes and that always gives kids joy um there are three siblings uh, so so lena and baby adam and uh their aunt a a abba 
and who's a bit of a wackadoodle. <laughs> and Soso is very, she's very curious, loves adventure, has a, an ear for music and no, nose for adventure. And Lena is, um, at this point in the story, I think she was two when I wrote this, two or three. So she she was still kind of doing things purposefully to mess up her big sister's <laughs> block cities and projects and things like that. There's a lot of fun play between the siblings and also between Soso and Abba as well. Because Soso, when she's kind of, I would say, like when she's the authority on some fact like dinosaurs or whale song, which also comes up in the books, it's just fantastic to hear her being an authority on something and I think kids would resonate with that because kids love facts like that and just kind of rattling them off I know I did <laughs> but this the stories is they Abba lives in a different city they communicate over FaceTime or through Zoom and they go on an adventure through the storytelling. The story itself becomes a bit of a portal and they have an adventure. There's a play like kind of back forth between what is real and what is story, what is make-believe. There's a lot of fun with that. And there's a little bit of music, a lot of play, a lot of fun. I, I hope you enjoy. <laughs> One of the things that I like about offering your books in different formats is that they're great for children with dyslexia. Research has shown that when children listen to a book as they read the words they hear, their comprehension will increase and they will become better readers. This is why I released the animation early so that kids could hear it earlier and they could kind of, maybe they can remember some of the dialogue or they could hear the voices. They, they're familiar with the story. They're familiar with the characters. And so it's a, it eases them into reading a little, a, just, just, just a little bit. But absolutely, it helps me for sure. I mean, I remember reading Princess Bride. And because I knew the movie, it was so much easier for me to read Princess Bride when, you know, the full novel. I was, it was like night and day. I'm trying to create kind of these different ways that kids can dive in any way they feel that feel most comfortable with and if they can you know get reading and and just love it and i that just that's why i'm doing this i think our listeners and their grandchildren are going to enjoy this story and i hope today's presentation inspires young people to unleash their curiosity and their creativity and that it spurs grandparents to support your work Curious Case of the Creepy Cave by S.B. Gunkarova, published by Kligraus Press. Chapter 1 At the far end of a green valley, on top of a very big hill, you'll find a white house with a mossy roof. And on the top floor of that house is an attic room with slanted eaves and windows taped with drawings some drawn with crayon and some made with markers and some very good ones too for the little girls who live in this house love to draw and color and do so every day the room is filled with toys and books and after-school projects including experiments and homemade musical instruments that the girls like to make from stuff from around the house center stage on the carpet of this attic room lies a curious girl with big sparkling eyes and a nose for adventure. 
Her name is Sophia, or Soso for short. She has just spent the greater part of the afternoon and much of the evening creating a complex city out of blocks, complete with a castle, a bridge with diving boards on the sides, and a petting zoo for well-behaved dinosaurs. Because every city needs a petting zoo for well-behaved dinosaurs, don't you think? Just as Soso's placing the very last block on the very tallest tower, the playroom door flings open. <laughs> Roars a not-so-scary saber-toothed tiger cub, standing on her hind legs with her arms outstretched. Soso is unused to saber-toothed tiger cubs storming into the attic like this especially ones who wear diapers and look mysteriously like... Lena, you're supposed to be in bed. But me hungry, Lena replies in her most convincing saber-toothed tiger cub impersonation. She pounces, and with her tail, she proceeds to knock over the tallest castle turret which knocks over the bridge with diving boards, which crashes into the petting zoo, making all the well-behaved inhabitants run around trying to figure out who turned out all the lights. You get the idea. Within seconds, the entire block city goes kablooey, which makes Soso really mad, mad enough to stomp her foot. Unfortunately, Soso stomping her foot makes Mama downstairs really mad, too, because she just spent the last 20 minutes getting their little brother Adam to sleep. Soso, I just got your baby brother to sleep, Mama calls up the attic stairs. But Mama, Lena... But before Soso has time to explain, Mama somehow manifests herself at the doorway of the attic room. Another one of her many superpowers, like being able to see out the back of her head or be in multiple places at once. Lena, how on earth did you get out of your crib? That's exactly what I was thinking, says Soso, with her hands on her hips. Also, Lena's being super naughty because she crashed my whole block city and now I have to start all over again. Lena sticks her tongue out at Soso. So naturally, Soso tickles her back. Which makes Lena roar in response. Just as you would expect a saber-toothed tiger cub up past her bedtime to do, which naturally wakes their baby brother Adam in his crib downstairs, who Mama has just spent the past 20 minutes getting to sleep. So-so, I'll read you a story in a little bit. And Lena, it's bedtime for tigers, says Mama, taking the saber-toothed tiger cub by the paw and leading her out the playroom door. So-so, maybe see what Abba's up to, suggests Mama, with not a little growl of her own. Chapter 2 
If you have been watching all this, you might be thinking right about now, who's ABBA? Good question. To find the answer, you need to fly from that white house with the mossy green roof all the way north until you find some red cliffs filled with dinosaur fossils and beaches of amethyst crystals. At this point, hang a sharp left and you'll see a big river. And if you follow the river past the mountains, the river splits in two around an island with a big mountain in the middle. Near the mountain, there is a lake inhabited by ducks and their ducklings, geese, seagulls, blue herons, and cormorants. And just north of there, you'll find a street with big trees whose broad leafy branches overhang old brownstone houses with dainty curved staircases. Walking down that street, you'll find a woman wearing a yellow trench coat and red rain boots and carrying a blue umbrella. This is Abba. And she hums a curious melody to herself, accompanied by the birds singing in the trees, cutlery dinging on dinner plates from tables on balconies across the way, and church bells ringing in the distance. Abba hears music everywhere, and sometimes sees it too, in colors of the rainbow, but we'll get to that later. She goes up the squeaky yellow stairs to her plum purple apartment door. From inside her apartment, she hears an old record playing opera. And she knows exactly which opera, too. Caruso listens to it all the time, and it's been driving Abba a little nutty. Well, nuttier. Who's Caruso? He's Abba's super handsome, but perpetually grumpy tuxedo cat with a red bow tie and a pension for opera. Abba lets herself into the apartment, puts her blue umbrella in the umbrella stand, hangs up her yellow trench coat, and slips off her red rain boots. Caruso, I'm home, she calls. No response. Abba is long used to Caruso being extra grumpy when she is late coming home for lunch. But fortunately, Abba knows just the thing to rouse him from his grumpy mood. Caruso, lunchtime! Immediately, the record screeches to a halt, and a fuzzy streak of cat bolts out of the front room and down the hall after Abba into the kitchen. Caruso knots his napkin around his neck and awaits in gleeful anticipation as Abba glides around the kitchen in her rainbow socks as she puts together tea. Caruso watches her feet go back and forth and back and forth like he's watching a tennis match. Every time she comes near him, he grins widely, but Abba doesn't pay him any attention. Caruso, expecting a fresh batch of sardine-flavored cookies, is not amused when Abba pours out a cupful of less-than-inspiring-looking kibble out of an oversized bag marked Diet Yum. In Caruso's opinion, it looks more like gravel you'd put on the sidewalk in winter to keep from sliding around on the ice and falling on your tush than anything you would want to eat for lunch especially when you were expecting delicious sardine-flavored cookies, no less. 
Caruso furrows his eyebrows and pouts. And then he flicks some diet yum off the top to show his disapproval, and it skids across the floor. The kettle whistles. Abba pours her tea into a mug covered with musical notes, just as the tablet on the table signals an incoming video chat. Who could that be, Caruso? Abba says, as she sits down at the table with the mug of hot tea. Soso's face pops up on the screen, and Abba lights up. Nothing brightens her day more than seeing her niece. Hey, Abba. Hi, Caruso. Soso is one of Caruso's three top favorite humans in the world. He leaps up onto Abba's lap and purrs hello. Not to Abba, mind you. He's still pouty about being put on another diet. No, he's purring hello to Soso, of course. Are you ready to continue our adventure? asks Abba. Definitely, replies Soso. Okay, Abba says as she fishes out from her box of musical toys a particular rainbow-colored xylophone. Where did we leave off? Chapter 3 The girls find themselves outside Abba's plum purple apartment door at the top of the squeaky yellow stairs. Only this time, they don't squeak at all. As Abba hops down the stairs, each step makes the note of a scale. Whoa, Abba, your staircase is just like a xylophone. Did you know that? Soso says, jumping down the stairs too, making her own version of the scale. They land at the bottom of the stairs where they see a hopscotch game drawn on the pavement. What does jumping hopscotch sound like? Like this, says Soso. Each square in the hopscotch game rings a different note. Soso jumps from square to square and creates a jaunty tune from major seconds and major thirds. But wait! Hot lava, hot lava, yells Soso. Low minor seconds and minor thirds rumble ominously as hot lava creeps around the hopscotch squares. Soon, Abba and Soso are standing on little square islands floating in a river of red hot lava. Whoa, watch out. Don't fall in or we won't be able to finish the rest of the book. This is super wobbly. You're giving me heart palpitations just narrating, you two. Excuse me, can I finish narrating the story, please? Sorry. Do go on. Thanks. Soon Abba and Soso are being carried away down the sidewalk on a riverbed of hot lava. What do we do? asks Abba, looking down at the red hot lava beneath her. Uh, jump? says Soso. Jump? What do you mean jump? We're surrounded by hot lava, says Abba. I don't know, Abba. Like this? 
and so-so leaps between hopscotch squares down the now bubbling city street. Wait for me, Abba yells, trying to keep up. But she is not as spry as she once was once upon a time. The lava gets thicker and deeper and hotter, and the hopscotch squares spread further and further down the street. This is getting serious, says Soso. We're going to have to make bigger jumps. Abba, still out of breath from the previous jumps, gasps. Bigger jumps? Yeah. Watch this. And Soso makes the jump easily. Abba, on the other hand, not so easily. Making Soso giggle, Abba furrows her brows in dismay. What are we going to do now? asks Abba. Soso has an idea. We need a pterodactyl to pick us up or something. Suddenly, glissandos peel out of the air as a pterodactyl swoops down from the sky. Here he comes, says Soso. Here who comes, replies Abba. What the? It's a spotted pterodactyl belonging to the taxonomic order Pterosauria, says Soso, remembering from her big picture dinosaur book at home. As big as 250 pounds, with a 30-foot wingspan and an ability to soar to dizzying heights. And with that... The pterodactyl grabs him in his gigantic talons and sweeps him up into the air. Abba looks queasily down at the city becoming smaller and smaller below. Now, when you say dizzying heights... Chapter 4. I don't know if you've ever flown in the grasp of a pterodactyl before, but they soar pretty high up in the clouds. And that's precisely where Abba and Soso are, so far up in the clouds that below them, Abba's island city looks like a tiny pebble in the river. And soon the river becomes a sparkling blue ribbon cutting through beautiful mountainscapes after which the river gets so wide they can't see either side. Where do you think they are? That's right, the ocean. Below them, fish and dolphins and whales all come up to say hello. Did you know that humans weren't the first musicians on the planet? Whales have been singing for 30 million years, remarked Soso who has just finished reading a big picture book about whales. 30 million? Really? And did you know that um, birds have been singing for 100 million years? As you can tell, Soso loves to read about birds too. Speaking of which, honk honk. A flock of Canadian geese fly past in a huge V pattern. And suddenly, Abba and Soso feel like they're stuck in traffic 
in afternoon rush hour before a long weekend. Attention, droite, says a particularly rude goose in a hurry. Alba is taken off guard by the whole flock of honking geese barreling past them. The spotted pterodactyl tightens his grip and glides on an air current all the way to a land tucked among mountains and cliffs on the other side of the ocean to a giant forest. Not a forest of giants, but a forest of giant trees. The giant sequoia, wider than a fire trek and taller than the tallest skyscraper, is the tallest tree on earth. And it is on the very tippity top of the tallest of these giant trees where this spotted pterodactyl has made his giant nest. Merci, Jean-Pierre, says Soso, as the pterodactyl releases her from his giant talons. Bienvenue, mes petites, he replies with a caw, flying off into the distance to find something delicious for dinner. Abba turns to Soso. Jean-Pierre, she says in bewilderment. Yeah, Soso replies nonchalantly. Abba takes a few seconds to process. That pterodactyl's French is better than mine, Abba remarks, looking down over the side of the nest. That's not hard, Abba, replies Soso. Hey, I heard that, says Abba. The question is, how do we get down from here? Asks Soso. Is there an elevator? Asks Abba. Abba, don't be silly. We gotta climb down. Down? But, but down is a very long way away, says Abba with a nervous gulp as she looks over the edge of the nest. Not if you just take one branch at a time. Like this, says Soso, jumping down to the next highest branch with the agility of an acrobat. Abba follows behind, or above, I should say, each branch making its own musical chord as they jump on it. What are you, a monkey? Abba asks, unable to keep up. Yep. Ha! I knew it. It is only when they are more than halfway down that Abba seems to be gaining confidence in her own monkeying abilities. She manages a bit of somersault, although not exactly intentional, and lands on the next branch below. Not bad, Abba, says Soso. Abba turns around, looking pretty smug with herself, but then she slips and falls the rest of the way, belly-flopping to a musical lat on the forest floor, like someone sat on a piano by accident. By contrast, Soso floats down with all the grace of a flamingo in a tutu. Abba, you hear that? Soso whispers. Hear what? Abba replies, still picking twigs lodged in her eyebrows and bugs out of her teeth. That. What? There. Where? There. A red-winged blackbird. 
yells Soso, pointing up towards the trees. I see him. Do you see him too? And in the branches above them, there's a very handsome red-winged blackbird singing a very pretty song. Wow, remarks Abba, pulling a pair of binoculars out of her tushy pocket. And there's Chickadee. Abba, come on. Get out your sound recorder, says Soso. All right, good idea, replies Abba, as she pulls a sound recorder out of her other tushy pocket and presses record. And look, Abba, there are baby ducklings following their mama, says Soso, pointing towards a small pond. Aw, how cute. Take a picture, Abba. Abba takes a camera out of her other tushy pocket. Soso looks over at Abba. How many tushy pockets do you have, Abba? I don't know what you mean. I only have one tushy, says Abba. But you have three tushy pockets. Three? exclaims Abba in astonishment. Well, counting was never my strong suit. How many ducklings are there, for instance? One, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten. Wait a minute. What happened to six? asks Abba. Soso points to a duckling, popping her head out from the water. Six, Soso replies with all the confidence in the world. Abba recounts each of the ducklings, using her fingers to help her. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You're right, Soso. There are ten, she exclaims with glee. But when Abba turns around, Soso is gone. Chapter 5 So-so? Abba calls out. She turns around and around the other way. Yoo-hoo! Crickets. Abba scratches her head and looks around the other side of the giant sequoia. Behind is a cliff face made of chalky white stone covered with vines and shrubbery. Abba just can't understand how So-So has disappeared. Do you know? She calls again. So-So, where are you? She hears a muffled rumble coming from deep within the cliff face. And then the leaves of vines and shrubberies pull back like a curtain revealing a familiar pair of big sparkling eyes. Here, Abba, I found something. Come on. Soso leads Abba past the curtain of vines into a tunnel right into the cliff. A creepy cave? Should we go in? Definitely. Do you have your flashlight? Abba pulls one out from her fourth tushy pocket and switches it on before giving it to Soso. Soso goes first into the passageway. 
The path gets darker and darker and becomes narrower and narrower. Suddenly, Abba smacks her forehead right on a stalactite hanging down from the cave ceiling. Ouch! Soso swings the flashlight over to Abba, who rubs the purple welt emerging from her forehead. Something curious behind Abba grabs Soso's attention instead. Cave paintings, huge eagles, woolly mammoths, saber-toothed tigers. Again, a strange rumble resonates, this time sending vibrations throughout the cave and dust all over Abba's and Soso's heads. Black. What do you think that rumble is? An avalanche? An earthquake? Asks Abba. Sounds like a giant snore, replies Soso. Another huge snore, followed by a loud snort, sends shockwaves throughout the cave, and a cascade of long white rocks comes crashing down at Soso's feet, sounding like a skeleton tap dancing on a marimba. What's this? Soso wonders aloud. She points the flashlight at the pile and gasps. A pile of bones, she exclaims. Soso picks up a bone from the floor and shows Abba. Bones? Uh, that's kind of creepy, remarks Abba. Kinda? Well, really creepy. Super creepy. But then Soso spots something even more curious. Check this out, Abba. This bone has five holes in a line. Abba takes another look and notices something else. Weird. It has a notch cut out of one end. See? What do you think that is? Hmm. Abba blows a steady stream of air across the notch and changes the pitch by placing her fingers on the holes in different patterns. And it sounds just like an eagle call, to which Jean-Pierre calls back from the distant sky. Call! Call! Super cool, Abba! A spotted pterodactyl whistle! Abba tries playing the bone flute again. F-G-A-C-D, remarks Abba. A pentatonic scale. Abba's delighted and elaborates the notes into a simple melody, even doing a little jig. Meanwhile, behind her, a pair of big blinking eyes pop out of the dark above her. Um, Abba? Yes, Soso. Uh, did you notice that the roaring, snoring sound stopped when you played the spotted pterodactyl whistle? 
No, but here, listen to this jaunty tune I just made up. And Abba keeps on playing, totally and utterly oblivious to the giant, saber-toothed tiger cub with massive, sharp fangs towering above her, licking her lips. An enormous, slimy drool drips from the massive fangs right onto Abba's head. Chapter 6 Soso stands with her arms crossed. Lena, how naughty! What are you doing out of bed? Again! I was hungry and then I remembered you and Mama and Nana made chocolate chip cookies this afternoon and I thought there could be some left downstairs in the kitchen. So then what? You got lost going back to your room? No. I came up to find you because I need help. Since when do you need help eating cookies? It's easy. You can't have cookies without milk. It's a moral imperative. So just pour yourself some milk and go back to bed. But it's on the top shelf of the fridge and I can't reach it because I'm three and a half. And I don't want to wake Mama because she's kind of still growly at me from before. So, can you and Abba get it down for me? Fine, but then you're absolutely positively going back to bed this time, okay? Come on, says Lena, the giant saber-toothed tiger cub, as she leads them into the cave kitchen. In the middle of the table is a plate of cookies, each cookie bigger than Abba's head, even with the purple welt. Lena opens the gargantuan stone refrigerator door with her massive furry paw. A big gush of Ice Age cold air pours out, making Abba's hair stand on end and her boogers freeze up. See? It's up there on the top shelf. I can't reach. She points with her claw extended. There was absolutely no way that any one of them could reach it. Unless... What if I balanced on Abba's shoulders and she balanced on yours? You could give it a try. So they give it a try. With her newfound monkeying skills, Abba climbs all the way up onto the giant saber-toothed tiger cub's shoulders. And Soso does the same onto Abba's, only with two leaps, a skip, and a bounce, of course. But even with Soso standing on her tippy toes, the milk bottle on the top shelf is still out of reach. It is a giant saber-toothed tiger mama's kitchen after all, and the fridge, relatively speaking, is about two stories high. So the giant saber-toothed tiger cub, Lena, stands up on her hind legs. Soso says, careful not to disturb the balance. 
She wobbles to the right. So Abba wobbles to the left, which makes Sabertooth Tiger Cub Lena wobble to the other left. And just as Soso manages to pull the milk bottle, which is the relative size of a small bookcase, from the shelf, the whole group plus milk bottle come cascading to the floor in a massive thump. Lena catches the milk bottle in her massive furry paw just in time. Phew, that was close, Lena says. Any big noises and Sabertooth Tiger Mama would know exactly what I was up to. She does have eyes in the back of her head. No kidding, Lena says as she leaps over to the stone table and pours milk into the three giant saucers. Sit down, says the saber-toothed tiger cub as she jumps up on the table. Abba looks at Soso. Soso looks at Abba. Abba looks at Soso. They both look at Lena. The saber-toothed tiger cub laps up the milk out of the saucer in true saber-toothed tiger cub fashion. Soso and Abba follow her example. Within seconds, everyone is sporting a serious milk mustache. Wait a minute, is this lactose-free? asks Abba. Abba, of course not. When saber-toothed tigers roam the earth, grocery stores didn't have lactose-free milk yet. Oh, says Abba, scratching her skull. Lena, this is serious. We gotta get you back before Mama finds you out of your crib again. But you and Abba are up. To be fair, it's only 4 p.m. where I live. See, says Abba, pointing to the array of world clocks on the cave kitchen wall and subsequently knocking over the giant bottle, which shatters on the floor with a huge crash. Suddenly, a roar echoes from somewhere in the deep, dark recesses of the cave. Chapter 7 What's going on down there? Roars a giant, growly voice. Giant saber-toothed tiger mama heard us. If she finds out you're out of your crib, we're all in big trouble. Like timeout trouble? Like no chocolate chip cookies for a week trouble. Big trouble. Boom. Boom. Goes the ominous sound of the giant saber-toothed tiger mama coming down the cave stairs, which incidentally sounds an awful lot like dark, scary minor chords on the low register of the piano. Boom. 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 We've got to run for it. They scamper through the tunnel back to the cave entrance. Lena and Soso jumping over stalagmites and Abba dodging stalag tights. 
boom, boom, boom. We'll never make it in time, says Soso. We've got to try, says Anna, just before that same infernal stalactite smacks her again right in the middle of her forehead, knocking her off her feet with a plop. Come on, Abba, there's no time for dilly-dallying, admonishes So-So. Lena sees the light at the end of the tunnel. Almost there, she yells. So-So tosses the bone flute back to Abba. Here, Abba, call Jean-Pierre for help. Good idea, says Abba. Who's Jean-Pierre? asks Lena. You'll see, answers So-So. And with that, Abba makes the special caw sound on the flute. From the distance, Jean-Pierre screeches, flying in for the rescue, just as the girls make it to the cave entrance. On y va, Jean-Pierre, vite! We gotta get Lena back into her bed, tout sweet, calls Soso. Jean-Pierre sweeps them up in his immense talons and carries them into the sky banking into the direction of the white house on the top of the hill with the mossy green roof. Does anybody have a towel? I'm still coated head to toe in saber-toothed tiger drool. No, Abba, replies Soso. What about a moist toilette? No, Abba. A packet of baby wipes? Check your other, other, other tushy pocket, Abba. Got it. Chapter 8 Hurry! says the saber-toothed tiger cub, Lena, as she scrambles under the covers, just as Mama comes up to the top of the stairs. The door squeaks open. Mama peeks in and sees Lena, pretending to be sleeping soundly. A little lullaby on a toy xylophone plays sweetly in the background. Mama gently closes the door, casting the room back into shadow. That was close, says a not-so-inconspicuous lump at the foot of the crib. Abba, play the lullaby again, says Soso. You got it. Abba replies, playing the lullaby one more time on the little toy xylophone beside her at her kitchen table. And by the time Abba finishes the lullaby the second time, she hears a little tiger cub and a little monkey snoring on the other end of the line tuxedo cat purring on her lap. The end. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. 
If you would like to be a guest or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please connect with me at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com.